0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler's Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, today about 40 million Americans live with a disability. Nearly 28 years ago, the Americans with Disabilities Act, or the ADA, became law requiring businesses to provide access to people with disabilities and employers to provide reasonable accommodations for their disabled employees. The ADA also prohibited discrimination based on disability. The resulting changes made to public and private buildings, such as restaurants, stores, and hotels, to remove barriers to the disabled have been many and proven very helpful. But now House Bill 620 and better known as the ADA Education and Reform Act of 2017, is uh, pitting the rights of disabled Americans against the need to curtail what some call frivolous lawsuits. So in short, the ADA is under siege. And joining us to talk about this important topic is Robin Powell, an attorney whose work focuses on disability law and policy, as well as a prolific writer on the topic. As a disabled woman herself, She has dedicated her career to advancing the rights of people with disabilities. So with that, welcome to the show, Robin. Great to have you with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Terrific. And also joining me as my co-host is my friend and Ringler colleague, Peter Early, from our Wyndham, New Hampshire office. Peter joined Ringler in 2005 and became a consultant in 2012. So with that, welcome to the show, Peter. I know you've been co-host before. Love having you on.
3: Thanks, Larry. It's always fun to be back. Appreciate you having me.
1: Terrific. Well, Robin, you served as an attorney advisor at the National Council on Disability, an independent federal agency that advises the president and Congress on matters concerning people with disabilities. So you're very steeped in all of this. Tell us about your experience in the agency and and what that's uh, led you to uh, understand more about about the topic.
2: Sure. So as you mentioned, NCD, or the National Council on Disability, is an independent federal agency, and their entire responsibility is to inform and advise both Congress and the administration on all policies that affect people with disabilities. So really cradle to grave. Um, And having that experience as an attorney advisor um, really allowed me to um, become more aware of all different policy and legal areas affecting people with disabilities. Um, It really gave me this broad um, knowledge because, again, it covers everything that affects people with disabilities. Um, And I worked there for almost five years. And so I I think I gained a lot of really strong experience. And I think it's important to note, NCD, rather, has a really important role in the ADA. Um, NCD, over 30 years ago, introduced the first draft of the ADA, which has now become law. So I think mm. it's important to note that.
3: Great. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the uh, the legislation that we're going to talk about today, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process that a disabled person goes through now to file a complaint regarding accessibility issues?
2: Absolutely. So, right now, under Title III of the ADA, if a person with a disability encounters any sort of discrimination or access barrier, um, they have two options to enforce their rights. They can either file a complaint with the U.S. Department of Justice, who will then investigate um, the alleged violation and determine if a business has actually violated the ADA, um, At that point, DOJ may enter into mediation with the person in the business, or they may actually sue the business on the person's behalf. And, again, that depends on sort of the circumstances surrounding the case. Alternatively, though, people with disabilities can also just file a lawsuit in court bypassing the Department of Justice entirely. Um, So both mechanisms um, really do allow for swift action to resolve the violation.
1: Well, that's that's interesting to know because, obviously, this bill – the, the the folks that certainly oppose it make the claim that it's going to make it harder for disabled persons to sue businesses that don't comply with the ADA. Uh, tell us about what you see as the the impediments that the new bill will uh, will uh, provide that, that that are going to be hurtful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if um, HR six twenty actually becomes law, it would completely upend how the ADA is enforced in regards to Title three, which is businesses. Um, It would require people with disabilities to give a business owner what they call specific enough written notice about the violation, so they would have to submit um, information to the business owner stating, you know, this is exactly what the violation is, um, and this is what needs to be done. The business owner then would have 60 days to even acknowledge the problem and then another 120 days to make what they call substantial progress toward resolving the access violation. So effectively, the bill would require people with disabilities to wait 180 days before they could enforce their civil rights by filing a lawsuit. Um, And it really, it it puts a lot of onus on the actual person being discriminated against the person with a disability. You have to know the ADA enough. You have to then um, give business owners who... um, Should know about the ADA. The ADA has been um, enforceable for almost 30 years. It's been active, and so it's really changing who the onus is on. And I think it's going to really decrease the incentive for um, business owners to comply with the ADA if they can just wait and see if they get a complaint and then proceed from there.
3: Yeah, it it sure sounds like it's going to you know create a number of hurdles uh, you know for for people who do have disabilities who you know are being mistreated and and it's. There are obviously people on both sides of every issue, and and on this one, I you know I know that the the bill was introduced and passed the House, so there were at least uh, you know 200 or so uh, members of the House of Representatives who voted for it. Um, and I know that supporters of the bill have said that the ADA uh, Reform Act is premised on trying to curb what they call drive-by ADA lawsuits. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about you know the motivations behind this bill being introduced and, and those who supported it and got it through the House?
2: Yeah. So. The ADA um, Education Reform Act, uh, HR 620, is really based on this premise that um, people with disabilities and attorneys are just filing these frivolous lawsuits or um, what they're calling drive-by lawsuits, um, where people with disabilities and their attorneys are just filing really, really um, minuscule violations or non-existent violations and that the ADA has somehow become this money maker. And I think it's really important to understand before I get into how that may not actually be true that the ADA doesn't actually allow for monetary damages. Um, so The only thing that the ADA can um, award you is injunctive relief and attorney's fees. So you can't actually get any monetary damages because of the ADA. And there are some states that allow for monetary damages under their state civil rights laws. But again, that's not the Americans with Disabilities Act that's allowing for any monetary damages. So I think it's really important that people understand that the ADA is actually not a very profitable law. Um, You're not going to... I'm rich from um,
1: suing. well yeah Robin the fact that uh, there's really not a monetary aspect to uh, relief is I think is' going to come to some degree as a surprise to some of our audience because I I don't think they're that steeped in what the uh, the remedies are around those kinds of in- incidents and I think that's important information for you to give but you know Robin attorneys as you know are already bound by ethics not to file frivolous lawsuits and you've done some research on the issue of frivolous lawsuits so Tell us how prevalent they are. What what are they all about?
2: These so-called frivolous lawsuits, um, you know, proponents of the bill will point to this increase over the last several years in Title III filings. Um, And they note that between 2015 and 2016, they say that there was about a 37 percent uptick in the number of complaints that were filed. But if you actually examine those numbers, that In any way, you'll see that the increase is actually explained by only a small number of um, attorneys who are what you could call large-scale filers. So, in fact, there are just 12 individual attorneys in one single disability law firm who are responsible for more than one-third of all Title III lawsuits. So, clearly, this is not actually the systemic problem that proponents would make you believe.
3: So, Robin, it sounds like at least in in terms of the vast majority of of these these cases that are being filed, this this law uh, this legislative action may be solving a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, but proponents of the, this legislation. Uh, say that the ADA regulations are overly technical uh, and that most of these alleged violations are minor. Uh, I, I read in one of your articles that you said that regulations uh, concerning accessible, handicap accessible parking spots are frequently used to demonstrate how ADA regulations are too specific. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience with that?
2: Absolutely. So I want to point out that the ADA regulations are very specific. So um, business owners are absolutely correct in saying that they're very specific, but what they're not acknowledging is that there's a reason for their specificity. So in terms of accessible parking spots, which is something that I often will hear brought up, The size of accessible parking spots actually really does matter to a person with a disability such as myself. So I use a wheelchair accessible van, and so I have a a ramp that comes out on the side, and if there is not at least eight feet between my van and the next car over, I can't get in or out of my van. And that's happened more times than I can count, where someone will um, either park over the lines or they, um, the spots will just not be wide enough. And so, again, that has left me trapped both inside my van and outside my van. So, again, those really specific rules have a really important ru- um, reason for them, and I think that that's what people aren't always understanding.
1: Well, let's take a quick break right now, but we'll be right back in a minute, right here on Ringler Radio, talking about the ADA with Robin Powell. We'll be right back.
0: This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, along with my co-host, Peter Early, of Ringler's Wyndham, New Hampshire office. And we're speaking today with our special guest, Robin Powell, an attorney, writer, and scholar whose work focuses on the disability arena. You know, Robin, we've been discussing HR six twenty, which is a bill to amend the ADA and the potential impact it could have on disabled people. The disabled community has been very vocal in their protests on Capitol Hill and elsewhere. So tell me tell me about this. As a matter of fact, that Congressman Jim Langevin tweeted about this bill, and he said, quote, H.R. 620 will not only decimate the protections that people with disabilities rely on, it'll send an unmistakable message that we should be treated as second-class citizens, unquote. And when he says we, it's because the congressman is also disabled, as you are. So uh, obviously there's uh, a lot of opposition here, a lot of uh, protests, and I know uh, you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so
2: I think that as a person with a disability, we actually see this as really... um, an assault on our rights. Um, The Americans with Disabilities Act has been around for almost 30 years. Everyone knows someone with a disability and even if you don't know the specifics of the ADA, it's fair to assume you know that the ADA exists in some way. Um, And people with disabilities see this as after almost 30 years, businesses should know better and they should know they have to comply with the ADA. And yet here we are having to fight for the ADA, something that we fought for 30 years ago. And as you mentioned, there have been significant protests. Um, in fact, the week that HR 620 was passed, um, people with disabilities were arrested on two different occasions that week at um, the Capitol Hill because they were trying to fight to try to stop HR 620 from um, being passed. And we did have Congressman Langevin, who was a really strong um, opponent of HR 620, and then Senator Tammy Duckworth, who is also a disabled. Um, senator has been really outspoken about the bill
3: yeah as a, as a Rhode Islander myself it's it's uh great to see congressman Langevin's, you know role in in protecting the ADA you know I, as you said everybody has uh, you know someone that they know or then their family that that uh, is a disabled person myself included and um, you know it, it's it's great always to see you know Congressman Langevin and Senator Duckworth and all the other politicians who will uh, you know support or you know pr- try to prevent legislation like this as they're able but as you said you know the 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 grassroots movement and and you know Know, the people themselves, uh, you know, rally on Capitol Hill. I know from my time on, on Capitol Hill myself that that's you know such an effective way to get your message across. And I, you know, I, I thank you for for you for what you're doing and, and all the other folks who are who are rallying as well. Um, but this bill's already through the House, uh, so can you tell me what the next steps are for this uh, legislation going forward? Sure. So at
2: this point it is in the hands of the Senate. Um, It's passed through the House. So now the Senate would need to introduce a a companion bill, um, which then they would vote on. And at this time, I'm unaware of a companion bill in the Senate. Um, And I know that advocates are really trying to um, really stop that from being introduced. And I'm not sure the success they will have at this point, just because we didn't think that H.R. 620 would get through the House, to be frank. Um, I know that there is a growing number of Democrats who, have, or senators rather, who have come out um, in opposition and said they will not support passage of such a law in the Senate. Um, and so there are a growing number of outspoken senators, particularly as I mentioned, Tammy Duckworth, um, who is a senator who is a disabled veteran who uses a wheelchair herself and really has spoken really passionately about the importance of the ADA.
1: Is that going to require 60 votes in the Senate to to pass that yeah. kind of legislation? Well, I'm sure that's going to make it, obviously, a lot tougher with, uh, with the way every, every bill now is getting uh, scrutinized to the, to the nth degree. So hopefully your opposition, your, your protest, um, and just simply the goodwill of, of most of the people in the U.S. Senate will, uh, will look at this the right way. But, you know, disability rights supporters uh, have signed a letter in opposition to the bill, including uh, quite a few uh, entities that have you know gathered together to do this, the National Bar Association the Paralyzed Veterans of America, the NAACP, the American Association for People with Disabilities, the American Association for Justice, and the American Civil Liberties Union, they're all speaking out collectively to fight this legislation. So obviously, you've got a lot of collective support. But what do you think the average American, the average person can do to kind of make their voice heard here?
2: I think at this point, it's really important that Folks who have an opinion on this um reach out to their um, representatives in Congress. they work for us, and that's their job is to act on our behalf and so I think just contacting your congressperson and senator and telling them that you feel passionately that this bill is not appropriate, and also why. Um, Stories are what really sell, um, particularly people in Congress. So if you have a specific um, experience, whether you are a person with a disability or you know someone who's a person with a disability, why you think the ADA is so important. And, you know, just pointing out that the ADA has been around for 30 years almost. It's um, a result of really strong bipartisanship. Um, And I think that's something that people don't always realize.
1: That's interesting, and uh, you know, obviously, you're a, a, a tremendous resource for all of this. So, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Robin, how would they do that?
2: So they can contact me through my website, um, which is RobinPowell.com, dot com, and um, my contact info is on the website.
1: And and let me let me express it as R O B
2: Powell. I am not a bird. <laughs> you're not a bird.
1: No, you're not a bird at all. Uh, and uh, that's great. And Peter, if someone wanted to contact you, how would they do that?
3: Thanks, Larry. The uh, best way to get a hold of me is uh, my phone number is 603-423-0055. But you can find uh, my contact information and uh, all of us here at Ringler through our website, which is uh, ringlerassociates.com.
1: That's terrific. And of course, ringlerassociates.com has a lot of great information about structured settlements and key, uh, key events of the day. And uh, I absolutely advise everyone to go to that website. Not only will you see uh, all the Ringler Associates, in fact, even some pretty good pictures. I know there's a good one of you there, Peter. uh, Yeah, uh, that's because it's old. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the opportunity to really learn uh, some some real good information about it. And, of course, you can uh, hear all the Ringler Radio shows. You can find them all on ringlerassociates.com, and you can find them also on ringlerradio.com or legaltalknetwork.com, or you can go to iTunes where you can download the podcast that we're hearing today, and listen to it at your leisure. So with that, I want to say thank you again, Robin, for uh, being a great guest. We really appreciated uh, everything you had to offer today.
2: Thank you so much again for inviting me.
1: And Peter, again, thanks for being a great co-host.
3: Larry, thanks for having me. And and Robin, thanks for the uh, advocacy you do on behalf of disabled people. Uh, It was a pleasure to be on the show today.
1: And for the rest of you out there, I hope you enjoyed the show. Now go have a great day. Thanks.
0: Celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.